And eating a simple meal could mean spilling soup all over your dress because you can't bring your spoon to your mouth. And when you dress, you grope for your shirt button and sometimes you cross your button and the buttonhole. So life is, is pretty hard living in darkness. So imagine how liberating it must have been to step out into this world of darkness into the world of light. Can I have the lights, please? Not so dramatic, sorry. We didn't coordinate this well enough. And can I also have the slides? In the seventh of the great signs in John's Gospel, we encounter the story of a man who, after living in darkness for his whole life, is able to see again. But instead of being thrilled by his newfound sight, he gets plunged into a big argument with the religious authorities and was even kept at a distance by his own parents. Let's try to recreate the scene as a play in three parts. Act 1, scene 1. There was this blind man. Let's call him Stevie. Poor Stevie. From birth, he never saw the faces of his mom or dad. His parents would have cared for him, but they also cursed the day in which he was born because Stevie was good for nothing and couldn't contribute to the family business. Instead, he was a parasite and had to be fed and looked after because he was blind. So, discouraged, Stevie took to the streets during the day, begging, hoping to earn the sympathy of people and taking some coins, some meager coins, back to defray the family's expenses for his upkeep and maintenance. So one day, Stevie was out as usual, begging, and he had a commotion. And there was people shouting, Jesus of Nazareth, the miracle worker, he's coming this way. Come and see, come and see. Of course, seeing was the last thing that poor Stevie could do. But Stevie had heard stories about this Jesus of Nazareth, how he turned water into wine, how he healed the man crippled for 38 years, how he healed an official servant on his deathbed, how he fed 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. And the thought came to Stevie, if I could just get near to this Jesus, maybe he could cure me of my blindness. So grabbing the hand of one of the passers-by, he asked this stranger to help him to get through the crowd so that you could somehow attract this, this miracle worker's attention. The shouts and the commotion grew louder and louder as this stranger led Stevie through the crowds, shoving here, pushing there. The streets were so packed and Stevie almost suffocated. suffocated. Then the kind stranger had an idea. Tell you what, I'll bring you ahead of the crowd. Looks like this Jesus and his disciples were heading in this particular direction and he must surely pass by such and such a junction at the street. I'll bring you there and you will surely be noticed by him. Thank you, thank you, Stevie said profusely. So Stevie came to the spot and waited there, somewhat self-conscious and embarrassed by his condition because he was blind. Yet his heart was thumping with hope and expectation. Act 1, Scene 2. The noise and the commotion grew louder and louder. The scene is at the street junction that he went with his 
stranger friend who brought him there, the stranger who brought him there. And, and, and it became as though it will pass by Stevie as he had done countless times in the past and everything will be back to where it was before. In other words, nothing happens. Life goes on. And he still remains in darkness. Then all of a sudden, the noise stopped and time seemed to froze. And he heard a voice distinctly. Master, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And in reply, another voice, firm but gentle, said some of the most amazing words Stevie had heard in his whole miserable life. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now Stevie knew that those voices were referring to him. So he became more and more self-conscious and uneasy. But at the same time, he was, he was enchanted by those words. I am the light of the world. What does that mean? How can this man, this, this Jesus, say that he's the light of the world when all Stevie knew was darkness? What's light? Then before he could dwell further, he heard someone spit on the ground. And shortly after that, a pair of hands, a pair of hands that put some moist earth on his two eyes and the same tender but firm voice telling him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam. He calls me to wash in the pool of Siloam. So Stevie's feelings were all just all mixed up inside him. The pool was quite a distance from where he was at the other end of town. How do I get there? Should I even believe this, this man who tells me to go? What happens if it was all a big lie? I go all the way to Siloam, nothing happens. My hopes will be dashed again. But then, what do I have to lose? After some struggle, he made up his mind and turning his back to the crowd, he asked this kind stranger who led him there to this street junction, could you please take me to Siloam? Along the way, his mind was churning over this man's words, I am the light of the world. It was a fantastic claim, but yet Stevie's heart was, was warmed by them. What amazing words, full of wonder and beauty. And after what seemed like uh, eternity, he felt himself led into some kind of a pond, a water body. And bending down, he felt cool water. And clasping the water with his hands, he washed his eyes. As the mud cake dissolved in the water, he felt a strange sensation. His eyelids, his eyelids slowly fluttered. And for the first time in his life, he began to discern pictures, objects, outlines, images, colors. It was unbelievable. I can see, I can see. He leapt, up and down, he leapt up and down and splashed water around him like a little boy stepping into the ocean for the first time. And the day when all this happened was the Sabbath. Act 1, scene 3. We're halfway there. Home of Stevie's parents. Dad was out at work. Mom was cooking lunch. So there was a big commotion outside. Then she heard a frantic knock on the door. 
Mrs. Wonder, Mrs. Wonder, quick, open the door. Miracle has happened. Your son, your son has got his sight back. So mom went to the door and lo and behold, someone looking like Stevie stood in front of her. Stood in front of her, grinning widely. But mom couldn't quite recognize him. Somehow he was different. Then the eyes caught his eyes. And with a shrill cry, she jumped at Stevie and hugged him so tight. Boy, is that really you, boy? Yes, mom, it's me. It's really me. I can see again. How? How did this happen? The whole neighborhood had gathered to watch this amazing sight. Some of the neighbors were skeptical. Ayah, this, this, this fellow, not Stevie. La. Just some look-alike, you know. It's not possible for a man blind since birth and we've seen him when he was a baby. It's not possible for him to get his sight back like this. Stevie stood both hands holding his mom. It's me, mom. It's really me. Your son was blind from birth, but now I can see. I can see. The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and now I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know. Just then one of the neighbors leapt to the front and pointing to Stevie said to Mrs. Wonder, I think this is some kind of a scam. Let's bring this so-called son of yours huh, to the department of religion, to the Pharisees for them to investigate and tell us their judgment. You know, they are learned people. Very smart, very chim. And I'm sure they have an answer to everything. Act 2, scene 1. This is the office of the Department of Religion. Ministry of Home Affairs. Council was in session discussing the events of the past few days. One of the Pharisees stood up and declared, My learned friends, this guy called Jesus, ah, Sang Nao Jing ah, no, he's turned Jerusalem upside down with his so-called miracles. He's a con man, I tell you. He must have learned his tricks from some amateur magician called JK. And can you believe it? He even had the audacity to claim that he's the son of God. What blasphemy. Just then the temple soldiers entered to report the arrival of a horde of people. Your holiness, a bunch of people are here to seek your advice on a so-called miracle. A man from birth gets his sight back. So they brought Stevie to the Pharisees. The Pharisees began to interrogate him. Are you Stevie, the one who was blind from birth? Yes, yes I am. How did you get your sight back? Well, this man, this man called Jesus put mud on my eyes, told me to wash, and I did. And see, I see. Some of the Pharisees protested, This man, this man who healed you is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinner do such Miraculous signs. And so they were divided, arguing among themselves. Then they turned again to Stevie. You there, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes you opened. And Stevie replied, well, I think he's a prophet. The Pharisees still did not believe Stevie's story. So they summoned his parents. Now mom, mom was there, following behind. And dad just returned from work to join the group at this department of religion. Office of um, Home Affairs, Ministry of Home Affairs. Is this your son? They asked him. They asked them, Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? And the parents answered, Well, we know he's our son. We know he was born blind. 
But how you can see a hole open his eyes, we don't know. You ask him. He's an adult. He can speak for himself. And for the second time, the council summoned Stevie and said to him, Young man, give glory to God. We know this Jesus is a sinner. And Stevie replied, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind. But now I see. Then they asked him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And quite exasperated, Stevie answered, Look, look, I've told you already and you were not listening. Why do you want to hear again? Do you want to become his disciples? Then the Pharisees became indignant and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And Stevie answered, Well, this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes and made me see the light. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to godly men who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So at these words, the Pharisees blew their top. You are a sinner from birth. How dare you lecture us? Get out of here. You're not allowed to step into the temple ever again. And they threw Stevie out from their presence. Act 3, scene 1. This was a scene at the road junction where Stevie first met Jesus. So excommunicated from the temple by the Pharisees, he went back to the spot where he had been begging before he was healed, where he stood and encountered Jesus. He was trying to make sense of this whole incident. So he was deep in thought. Just then Jesus came by and, and stood beside him. So Stevie looked up and heard the tender voice of this man who healed him. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And Stevie said, Lord, I believe. He bowed down and worshipped him. And then Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. There were some Pharisees who were with him who heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus replied, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Curtain falls. End of play. Sorry lah, I'm not an American Idol, Singapore Idol. Can't do this well. What can we learn from this miracle? Well, it's quite obvious that Jesus did something wonderful. A blind man receives his sight. That's, that's pr pretty obvious. But it's also obvious from the very last few words that I mentioned before the end of the play, which is taken from John chapter 9, that Jesus told his hearers, those who see can actually be blind. <clears throat> right at the beginning of the Gospel of John, this theme of light is, is introduced. And you see this in uh, John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. In him was life, in him was referring to Jesus, in him was life, and life, and that life was the light of man. 
The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Then in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20, as part of his conversation with a, a religious leader called Nicodemus, we read these words. John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who hates evil, sorry, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. And then again, if you look down to John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this, this idea of light in the Gospel of John, it's an important concept. It's an important metaphor for Jesus and his saving power. And those who believe in him have received the light of life and are rescued from darkness. And by contrast, the Pharisees have not seen the light. And therefore, as Jesus concluded, they are still blind. Then you ask, why? Why were the Pharisees so blind that they could only see the breach of their man-made regulations and, and man-interpreted regulations about the Sabbath? Why could they not appreciate, like the parents did, or some of the neighbours did, the wonder of a man born blind from birth who receives the gift of sight? Why could they not see? Why could they not empathise with the suffering that this blind man, Stevie, and his family had to go through in his previous condition and understand how wonderful and how liberating was the miracle that Jesus performed. All they seemed to care about was that Jesus broke, broke the Sabbath rules because, because making mud with your spittle was like kneading dough. And kneading was one of 39 types of work forbidden on the Sabbath according to the Pharisees. Well, the story in John chapter 9 teaches us that there are three causes of spiritual blindness. Let me just share them with you. The first one is ignorance. Here is a dumb man's joke. Not blonde, not man. Huh? Why are men so happy? Answer, ignorance is bliss. That means the men don't get it. John chapter 9 verse 2, the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, it was a legitimate question. It was a correct question to ask because in the Old Testament, there is a link between suffering and sin. Right? You look at this reference here in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 14, where the Lord warns the people of Israel. And I'm just going to highlight to you verse 16. I will do this to you if you violate my covenant. I will bring upon you sudden terror, wasting diseases and fever that will destroy your sight. So blindness in the Old Testament was recognized as one of the punishment which one of the types of punishment which God inflicted upon his people for disobedience. 
So the disciples' question was reasonable. Who sinned? Him or his parents? But what was Jesus' answer? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, my dear disciples, <clears throat> you are not asking the right question. You are starting with the wrong premise. You are ignorant of why I'm here in the first place. I'm not here to say this man's sin or his parents' sin. The question may be interesting, theologically, but that question is irrelevant to my mission. I am here to do the works of God. His blindness, Stevie's blindness, is but an opportunity to show the mighty works of God. You know, the, the disciples were, were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were, they were ordinary folks. They were not very highly educated people. So it's not, it's not unfair to, to expect them to be ignorant a little bit. But the Pharisees, for all their learning and religious standing, were ignorant too. And you cannot accuse the Pharisees of not knowing their Bible. After all, they are supposed to be doctors of the law. But do they really know their Bible? You know, the Pharisees have a rival group, and they are called the Sadducees. And these two groups took turns to accuse Jesus of all kinds of things during those days when Jesus was on earth. And in one incident in Matthew, this group of Sadducees confronted Jesus with a very tricky problem. They heard that Jesus taught about the resurrection, dead coming back to life. And they don't believe in the resurrection. So they posed a hypothetical situation to Jesus. They said, look, there were seven brothers. One of them dies without children, and his brothers under Jewish custom have to marry the widow in order to bear children for the deceased brother. So what happens if all seven pass away? Tough one, right? At the resurrection, whose wife will the widow be since all seven died? Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. Do these educated, learned professors of theology and law Jesus rebukes them and says, you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Now what's the ignorance of the religious teachers the result of lacking knowledge of the Bible? I don't think so. I think they knew the scriptures, but it was just head knowledge. Superficial head knowledge. It didn't go down into their being. And their ignorance was compounded by a second cause of spiritual blindness. Cynicism or skepticism. John chapter 9 verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God. After they heard Stevie's testimony of how he was healed. Because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was argument among them. What is cynicism? 
Someone describes cynicism as looking at everything with a spurned eye. Spurned eye, you know? You know, you, you were jilted, you were spurned, you were cast aside. And as a result, you are, you are terrified of entering a relationship. You clam up and become very skeptical of the intentions of other people. It's the refusal to believe in goodness in people and situations, or even in God and His purposes and plans. Maybe, maybe you, you had a bad experience with a friend 25 years ago. Something terrible happened that led you to doubt if God really cares. And so we shut ourselves up. My friends, we, we should not be naive, but we should also not let cynicism blind us to truth or to beauty. You know, there's a very interesting incident in the early part of John's Gospel. This is when Jesus was calling his disciples. John chapter 1, verse 43. Let me read through with you what you see on the screen. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? That's a very cynical comment, huh? if ever there was one. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false or if you look at our translations, in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, there's some debate as to exactly what Jesus meant when he said, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. But Whatever the interpretation, I think it's quite fair to say that Nathaniel's encounter with Jesus changed his cynicism into faith and eventually into discipleship. From, can anything good come out Nazareth? To, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Thirdly, the third cause of our spiritual blindness is hardness of heart. You know, the last part of the play, which I tried to enact or reenact, when the Pharisees responded to the second testimony of this man, Stevie, they kept asking him, what happened, what happened, what happened? And, and Stevie got angry and fed up. And then, and the Pharisee said this, what did he do to you? you know? And they said, look, you are his disciples. We are disciples of, Jesus, of Moses. As for this fellow, we, we don't know where he comes from. So the Pharisees refused, refused to hear, refused to hear and understand this blind man's testimony. And obviously, cynicism and hardness of heart are, are related. Right? One causes the other, maybe. If you think about it, the heart, the heart is really who we are. 
The heart is the center of our being. When our hearts are hard, when we hold on to whatever grudge there is, when we are unwilling to let go and unwilling to soften our attitude and our hearts, our spiritual blindness will remain. Matthew chapter 13, verse 14. Jesus taught many of his disciples and those people who came to him in parables. But parables have deep meaning. And this is a judgment of Matthew, or the scripture writers, when it comes to the purpose of the parables. And this is what, what Matthew tells us. In them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, shall not understand. Seeing you will see, see and not perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown down. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. So my dear friends, at the end of the day, it's not eyes. The problem is with the heart. Not so much knowledge or the lack of it, not so much cynicism, although that, that could be the start of the problem. The main problem is the hardness of heart that caused these Pharisees who have eyes, who can see, to be actually blind to the light of the world. You know, spiritual sight and spiritual insight does not come from our knowledge, our intellect, or our experience even. It comes from God. It is revealed by God when we open our hearts to let the light of Christ shine in. And the light of Christ can bring about a true revolution. Let me ask the musicians to come forward. And uh, I'll close with this true story after I take a drink. It was a cold December night in 1989 in a city called Timisoara in Romania, Eastern Europe. At that time, the country was ruled by a cruel dictator, Nicolae Ceausescu. I think that's how you pronounce it. And there was a preacher named Laszlo Tokes, I think that's how they pronounce it, who two years earlier became the minister of Timisoara's small reformed church. And this minister preached the gospel message day in, day out. He preached it clearly and boldly. And within two years, his church's membership had grown to 5,000 from just a few hundred. His success was not well received by the communist authorities who stationed policemen armed with machine guns around his church on Sundays. And they got thugs to try to harm him and took away his ration book so that he couldn't buy food or fuel. And in December 1989, they came to arrest him and sent him into exile. But when the police arrived, they were stopped by a wall of people blocking the entrance to the church. Members from various other churches joined in protest. Police tried to disperse the crowd, but the people stood firm all day and into the night. And in the crowd was a 19-year-old Baptist student, Daniel Gavra, I think. That's how I pronounce it. And he happened to have a supply, he brought with him 
a supply of candles. And shortly after midnight, he lit one. He handed it to the person next to him. Then he lit another, and another, and another, and another, and another. And soon the darkness of that night was shattered by the light of hundreds of candles. And the people stayed all through the next day and the next night. Finally, the police forced their way through the crowd and breaking down the church door, bloodied Toka's face, pastor, Laszlo Toka's face, and took him and his wife out. However, the people refused to be silent. What started as a religious protest became a political protest. They came en masse to the city square to demonstrate against the communist government. Again, Daniel Gavra, the 19-year-old Baptist student, passed out his candles. So the authorities were infuriated. They brought in the troops who were ordered to open fire on the demonstrators. Hundreds were shot and wounded, including Daniel Gavra himself. His leg got blown off. But the people of Timisoara stood firm in their beliefs against the onslaught that was trying to break them down. Within days, the nation had risen up and Ceausescu, the dictator, was gone. For the first time in half a century, half a century, 50 years, Romanians celebrated Christmas in freedom. And Daniel's, Daniel Gavra, the, the man with the candles, celebrated his Christmas in the hospital. But to his pastor, he said, I don't mind so much the loss of a leg. After all, it was I who lit the first candle. And that one candle brought light that began a revolution that toppled a dictator and changed a nation. Can I invite you all to stand with me and sing the closing song, the song that we sang earlier just now. slides please uh, hang on a second
let's remain standing as we prayerfully come before the Lord in prayer. Does any one of us here not know Jesus personally? If so, I urge you to consider His words. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The blind man received his sight and grew in his understanding of Jesus. At first, Jesus was just another man to him. Yes, a miracle worker, but still a man. Then upon questioning by the Pharisees, he said, he's a godly man. And then later, he said, he's a prophet, someone who speaks the words of God. And finally, when Jesus revealed himself fully to him, the blind man recognized Jesus as the Son of God and bowed down to worship Him. I pray that those of us who may not know the Lord will also experience the same growing awareness and that the Lord Jesus Christ will remove all the darkness in your life as you give yourself to Him. And when the service is over later, may I encourage you to speak to a friend who brought you here today about what it means to give your life to Jesus. For those of us who, are, who already know Him, please consider if there are hindrances that prevent you from knowing Him even more. Is it ignorance? Is it lack of knowledge of the Scriptures? Is it cynicism? Are you cynical about the Christian life, about PPH, chapel, PPH Brethren Church? Has attending church become a routine? The songs that we've just sung become so familiar? Communion that we've just taken a while ago is just a ritual? Prayers are just utterances. You know, it's been said that if you live in a graveyard too long, you stop crying when someone dies. Or maybe you, you harbor some deep, deep hurt or wound that, that prevents you from opening your heart fully to God. You're scared to do so because you've been hurt before. Or you try so hard to do the right thing, but you keep falling, failing you're tired you're so so tired the Bible warns us don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin open your heart and let the light of the world Jesus Christ enter a work of revolution in your life let's, let's pray Heavenly Father we praise you and honour you for who you are for you are the light of the world and we thank you that you have stepped down into this dark world to give it light and you have for those of us who have yielded to you you have come into our lives and brought light into our hearts so that we can see where we are going thank you for dispelling the darkness Lord in our lives we want to ask that you will shine in our lives more and more so that we will give ourselves more and more fully to you thank you for the revolution that you bring not just in nations in people but in our own hearts so this morning we yield ourselves afresh to you Lord thank you in Jesus name Amen please be seated